Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. We are back with a curveball today. I'm going to be interviewing Mr. Michael Zuber, and we're going to talk about opportunities specifically with apartment buildings. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well, man. I uh, I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you each week with our Friday financial wrap up, and when we have uh, have an opening in the schedule, I just always I always enjoy chatting. So uh, I look forward to this. I have no idea where we're going. I love it. I love it. So Michael has no idea. This is not prescripted. It's- Right. So I just bought this book and I have no idea. It was just a book. It was talks about how to make big money. Okay. Small apartments. Um, I've done lots of small apartment deals, but I also had a couple of them that I got into, like I had stress with them and it wasn't a great experience. And I ended up, you know, ended up selling and exiting the deal. And Mm -hmm. so I want to talk specifically about, first of all, what do you see happening with, syndicators and then even break it down to small apartments the five to 50 units or five to 40 what does that look like and how do you see that playing out toward the end of the year how just some thoughts yeah yeah so let me give some kind of ground rules right because there's a lot of people that watch our channel that have single family rentals um you know maybe duplexes quads things of that nature stuff that you can finance with residential lending right 30 year fixed rate stuff which which we both love uh, what I would tell folks, when you go to five to 40, which is the area I've played in for, for 15 years or so, it's a different it's a different beast. Different management headaches, different turnover ratios, different expense structures. You know, you can get, get away with a single family home, 25, 28, 30% expenses. You're going to be 45 to 50 on these other things. And you're hoping not to be 60, frankly. Right. So they're, they're a different animal, completely different animal. If you underwrite them like residential, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So that's the first thing. Second thing, if people read my book, One Rental at a Time, they'll know, I have it here. They know that I, oh, look at you. You're good. I love it. Um, we did really well when we sold houses for peak prices and 1031 into apartments. Um, perfect time. Couldn't have, couldn't have scripted it any better. But I think today's going to be different, and this is why. So when we sold out in 06 at the peak of houses into apartments, the apartments were distressed. They were very slumlordy-ish. Not all of them, but many of them. They were run down. They were being milked for cash flow. Because at the time, multifamily hadn't seen any growth for decades. Yep. in the market that I was in. I think it's going to be very different this time. I think last time we were buying distressed buildings. This time, and this doesn't matter whether you're a syndicator or just an, just an owner of five to forties, you're going to have distressed debt. So the building may be fine, but the underlying debt structure is a ticking time bomb. So... There are going to be people 
who have piles of equity that could use that equity to make these uh, bombs go away. Let me give you an example. And let's say you bought a, a million dollar 10 unit building, 10 units, 100 grand a door. And you bought them in 2020. And now rates are up, expenses are up, sure. Rents are up also. Uh, but given the, the change in mortgage rates uh, that and cap rates, that once $1 million building is now worth six fifty, for example. Why is that a problem? Well, you probably financed that million dollar building with a 70% loan. You put 300 grand in, you have 700K loan. Now, we don't have to worry about debt service and debt mortgage pay down. We're just doing an example here. The building's not worth 700. In fact, we said it's worth 650. So your value is less than the debt. The real problem, Ty, is the bank won't give you a 100% loan. It right. certainly will give you a 110% loan. So they're going to go back to that owner and say, sorry, we can't do this loan at 650. We're going to do it at 400. Now, most owners of small buildings don't have a spare 250 grand sitting around. So they can't cut that check. But they can sell it. They can list it. And they can try to get out of it with minimal loss. However, if you've been doing what I have been telling you to do for two or three years now and stack residential properties, you could sell into a low inventory market, high demand, get peak prices again, take all of that equity, slam it into that 650 unit, go get a loan for 380, 380 and you're golden. And oh, by the way, you get to give the middle finger to the IRS because you're going to do a 1031 exchange. You're not going to pay the IRS a penny on your profit. So if you were doing what we've been talking about for four or five years, stack residential, because eventually commercial will crack, it is right around the corner. I think the pain starts in July, August, September, because what happens is owners are going to go through their five-year periods. Every year, we got to go to the bank and tell them how we're doing. The bank's going to look at a lot of these files and go, sorry, your million dollar building's worth 650. You owe us 700. I need 200 grand or sell it. They're going to know to sell it probably around July. So they're going to have a six month window to try to get out before it becomes a problem. So, and then if you want to go, you know, big stuff, the big stuff is going to be even worse, but most of us don't play there. But there will be people like Grant Cardone and other monster capital raisers who just buy trophy property after trophy property for huge discounts because of the debt. It's not the building. It's the debt that's blowing up. And um, I will admit to being excited because I look, I look to re repeat what I did last time. I love it. So let me ask you with when you bought the last time in that 06 to I'll call it 06 to 08. Uh, it, it, call it, call it 10 to 12. Okay. 10 to 12. And when you were buying these units, were you buying them through residential, like regular realtors? Were you buying them through like the Marcus and Millichap, the more small, like oh. small commercial guys? Or how were you sourcing to actually find deals back then? So it's just, it's really the same thing that you and I talk about all the time. And, and it's even more focused. Back then, 
in my market, there were three agents that had 80% of the inventory for a small yeah. multi, because there's just not a lot of them. Right. And they're very different than residential. So I made it a point to get meet these three folks, most of them every chance I could, because you want to build a relationship. You want to go from being the 10th guy they call to the eighth guy to the fourth guy to the third guy to the, you know, the second or first guy. And that takes time. But you know, the other interesting thing is about 20% of the listings go to some random agent that never had a multifamily building before. And they have no idea how to price it. They have no idea. I remember one time we picked up an eight unit building or maybe it was a seven unit building for like 40% off just because the guy didn't know how to price it. And the owner didn't know any better. I'm like, you, you want to, okay, we'll, 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 we'll take that one too. Um, so I would say 80% of listings go through a handful of agents, but you will find, especially in a desperation time where these one-off agents will get a listing yep. in the MLS, yep. right? Cause they don't know any better, right? They sell five homes a year. They don't know where else to put it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I bought them both ways. And then lastly, I bought one directly from a bank, a bank president cold called me. Right. I, I happen to own the building next door. His building was in bad shape. He's like, Hey, you got this one. You want that one? And we worked out a deal. So uh, yeah, pretty cool. I love it. I love it. And so going forward also in terms of like preparation, do you see in terms of, I know I'm a huge fan of like owner financing. I know you've mentioned you've done owner financing on some of these projects. Yep. Also maybe talk about maybe, are you going to community banks, regional banks, to finance these and just what are your thoughts with that five to 40 unit building in terms of financing and putting a deal together? I want to be very clear. I hope people hear me. I am not opposed to overpaying for five to 40 unit buildings. If I can get a debt structure that allows me to hold it long-term, right? A lot of these buildings are going to blow up because the debt was five-year debt. If I could get into a building, like, like I've been thinking about doing this one-off recording that says I will pay for multifamily buildings in Fresno, California and kind of give the whole story because I will. I know this will be a short window in the grand scheme of my 30-year investing. We're going to have a two-year period where cap rates reset, where bad debt blows up. But long-term, if I can put the structure in place where I can hold for a decade, It'll come back. So I'm not opposed to overpaying if I can structure a deal. And why is overpaying important? Because that seller wants to get out with, you know, without adding good money after bad. And um, maybe that means I got to structure a deal and somebody's got to take back a silent second with no payments or who knows what you teach with, with creative financing. I, I, I plan to leverage every chance I get. I love that. So let's take that 650 deal that we just, mm -hmm. the 10 units, Yep. 650 is the new value. How would you, and let's say as an example, you know, you have to pay off the first. Yep. Right. So, so that's, you know you have to bring in key. new money, then maybe a yeah. seller financing behind it. What would you pay? Kind of give us like, let's play with it. Yeah. So uh, I love that question. So let's assume first that there's no equity. The debt 700, it's valued at 650 in order to get a new loan you have to get it at 400. So I happen to be lucky enough to be in a position where I've been stacking homes. I will 1031 out of a home, take the 200 grand in equity, 
slam it at the building. I'll go get my 400, bingo, bango, zero cash out of pocket. I win. Not a lot of people can do that. Let's take a situation where, um, you know, maybe that owner 1031 and also, so they're sitting on very low equity, um, but they're, they're upset that it's gone. Right. So let's assume they owe 300. Yep. It was worth them. Like they put 700 K in, it's been cash flowing. They go back to the bank. They say, we don't want to do it. Blah, blah, blah. And oh, by the way, it's worth 650. They're probably not happy. Right. They're looking at losing 350,000 bucks. Yep. What I might do, and this is why I keep telling people to go, go really learn and understand this, the nine, the 40, 50, 40, 10. 90% CLTV loan. So what I might do, and again, this would all be based on payments, is I might offer 800, uh, which would mean, um, in this case, Velocity would come in for 400, right? Which pays off the first, pays the commission, gives the seller some walkaway money, probably 50 grand or something. Then I would ask the seller to take back 320 grand which is 40%. I would probably put a 1% interest rate on that just because I want the nine and the one to blend to sub six. Cause that's, that's again, this is important to me. I'm only going to pay 800 if my payment means I can hold it for a decade, right? That's yep. the game I'm playing. And then I would come in with 80 grand. So in theory, I haven't run the numbers, but I feel pretty good with paying 800 for a 650 asset, 90% yep. leveraged a blended interest rate uh, below six fixed for at least 10 years, if not 30. And um, I'll just wait for this thing to clean up because at some point rates will come down. I'll go get a five and a half percent mortgage. I'll pay off the first, maybe keep the second. I mean, think about that. I do a 50, 40, 10 today at 9%. That's what I think Velocity is charging. Call them to figure out what they charge. Someday in the future, I'll be able to go to a commercial bank and go get five and a half. Maybe I just replace the first and keep the 1% second. I don't know. But once you once you put these structures together, as the owner who can hold forever, I have all the power. I have a one-way option. If rates go against me, I don't do a thing. If rates get better and lending gets better, I take advantage. It's It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. So just last thoughts on this. Um, in terms of quality of neighborhood, are you only buying in B's and C neighborhoods? Would you buy something that's maybe in a D plus neighborhood? Nah. Um, talk about the importance of location and then any closing thoughts for this for this topic. And thank you too, by the way, because all this is gold. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of things. I've owned a lot of stuff over the years. Um the cash flow looks great on D-class properties, but when you add in the operational headaches and actuals, you end up losing money. Yeah. Um, if I was active management and this and that, maybe I could talk myself into it, but dude, I'm lazy. I'm, I'm lazy at this point. Um, I'm really going to be looking for B-class properties or C-class properties in B-class neighborhoods that I can upgrade over time. I will be hyper-selective. This won't be grow at all costs, but I do. I look forward to buying my biggest building in the next 12 to 18 months. 
with a 1031 exchange or a 50-40-10 if the opportunity presents itself. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to do a part two to this. Michael, thank you for all that you do, folks. If you like this conversation, please subscribe, like, comment. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you.